Pipe Network presents the frightening, alarming, real-life tales show. This show brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, and may cover topics that may disturb you. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these tales, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off the podcast now. The frightening, alarming, real-life tales show firmly sides in evidence-based information, self-fact-checking, and credible news sources. Be vigilant for fake news and disinformation, and always question sources. We want to emphasize learning about the horrors of the past so that we are not doomed to repeat it in the future. We encourage you to exercise your right as a citizen of your country, hold your leaders accountable for injustices that your society faces, and vote for leaders that have a good track record, experience, and advocacies that you believe in. You are never too young to participate in national discourse, educate yourself on the issues of your country, and become a voice in your social circles, art, and activities. Your voice matters because when one person stands, you inspire others to stand up as well. Hello, and welcome to the part two of our Farts special. This is the Frightening, Alarming, Real Life Tales show. The show where we talk about real life scariest stories. I'm Andrew. And I'm Ninya. Tell me, why do you seem so scared? 909 lying down dead. One third of them were children. She would swoop down and drain the blood of the infant. Everyone in London knows that this place is one of the most haunted places. It's haunted as fuck. This place is haunted as fuck. God. So sit back, relax, and try to get crazy with fright. <laughs> Welcome one and all to the Frightening Alarming Real Life Tales show. The show where we talk about real life scariest stories or as somebody said, the Frightening Alarming Relevant Tales show. Wow. Relevant tayo. This is the part two of the fart special. So part one, we just, we talked about our experiences with the recent events, especially during the election and also... We just talked about our thoughts and all that. And this episode, we are going to travel back in time. And we're actually going to take a look at the things that happened in the past. And see how they relate to um, now. So, we gave you guys some time to give your thoughts, share your thoughts. And a lot of people, a lot of you guys really loved last episode. And I'm so happy for that. Somebody said... That they find it really refreshing that you, Ninya, was being very serious mm-hmm. in yes. the, the last episode. So, yeah, they like that. Well, too bad because <laughs> I'm not gonna do this again. No, this is also a serious episode. This is also a serious episode. <laughs> no, I mean, after this one, we're gonna oh. go back. To- well, probably <laughs> next season in a month. Yeah, so uh, some of you shared, somebody said that BBM was already a functioning adult during the martial law and that is true very very true he was a functioning mm-hmm. adult if you guys are like wondering where andrew is reading the whole like thing that people are posting and such we do have a facebook group that's where we're reading stuff that's where we're posting stuff we're posting links and everything if you didn't know about this we informed you last or previous episode so yeah. If you didn't know, now you know. Exactly. He, they also said that on the topic of media distrust, uh, it hits hard for them because in their perspective, social media really played a big part on reinforcing 
echo chambers as well, the algorithm just ensures that your own opinions are reinforced. So it's best to take everything with a grain of salt talaga. Maybe even a researcher's ob- yeah. objective perspective in discerning what is true. I wholeheartedly agree with that. If you don't listen to the start of the show, we always do the the disclaimer, right, Nins? You've heard it, right? So yes. we always emphasize uh, self-fact-checking. So if you see like a fact online or you read it in a book, it's best if you double-check it. Or it's things that we even say, like even even here on our show, we ask you and encourage you to like, feel free to correct us if like you feel like, oh, um, I want to like learn more about the things that we're talking about and then you, you find more information and then you want to share it with us. Feel free to correct us. and that's Exactly, us. exactly. So I totally agree with the fact that social media uh, pushes the posts that are in line with your views and opinions because that's what the algorithm does. The algorithm, like, it's trying to keep you in the app. It's gonna give you more stuff that, like, you're already looking at. Yeah, it's it's gonna give you more stuff that you're already liking, you're already commenting on. So, for example, if you like somebody Sharing. somebody's post about, you know, like, this misinformation, you like their post, right? Facebook is gonna find similar posts from your friends and then push that to you. Not only that, TikTok as well. TikTok is really dangerous when it comes to that because, yeah. yeah. Can I, like, I, speaking of algorithm and stuff, I was messing with Mars, you know, our, our very beloved yeah. um, priestess. So I was saying stuff to her. And then here's the thing with algorithm that she, she kind of just sort of, it hit her that like, oh shit, like everything, your devices, whatever, they're actually listening to you. So having a conversation example, like that going back to like um, Marcos or Sarah or uh, uh, whoever politician there is, like if you talk more about them, your phone, your device itself is listening and then it triggers an algorithm that like will give you more stuff that like you're talking about, you want to hear about. Again, going back to Mars, I was like joking about um, plane tickets because like uh, I, it's been a while since traveling, it's 2022 and we're still stuck in you know the general same areas so i was like talking to her about um plane tickets and then immediately after the phone call her devices got pinged and then she immediately gets ads for like travel agencies places and so on and so forth like that's how the media itself tries to sort of keep you in its its own sphere okay so you're kind of like borderline going through Conspiracy theory, like I, I while I do somewhat maybe believe in that, um, it could be. Yeah, and, uh, it's yeah, not confirmed. It's, it's not it, yeah, it's super accurate. I don't know to what extent they listen to. Yeah, maybe while you guys were having a conversation, Mars was like looking through, you know, like travel, she travel stuff. Out, so no. Here's the thing: she wasn't. She hasn't looked at travel stuff for a while, and she freaked out because it. The next day, even her email that isn't her that is her work email that's like not yeah. super logged in to her like devices and such. She even got an email. Oh, here's a travel agency. Blah blah blah, which freaked her out. I I get that like there's a general conspiracy on it, but it's like that what happened was sus. Like it is what happened listening. was sus. Yeah. So uh, um, somebody else said that they like the term robbed of access to reliable info. The prevailing narrative that I hear personally 
is that the public lacked common sense to vote wisely. Um, for me, there's the crab mentality uh, with the perspective that because it only pits us against each other, when there are businesses, business giants who just wave a finger or change the algorithm of information and access that lead people to ruling. So, especially like in this time now, you can easily pay for a post to be boosted on Facebook, on Twitter, on TikTok. Wherever. It doesn't matter. You can You can pay. do that. You can do that. And uh, maybe some people do do that. And that's how the information spreads. You know, like just a few hundred pesos. Have you tried doing that? Um. Well, not with, you know, like not, not like TikTok like or anything. Like ads and shit on Facebook? But like I've tried uh, boosting posts on Facebook, you know, like some of my vlogs and stuff. Mm -mm. And those generally do well. Like those do well. And like people, like people engage in it and stuff like that. So you can definitely pay uh, people or you can pay these, these places, these social media sites to boost your post. And that is a very dangerous tool, especially uh, when it comes to like spreading disinformation, the wrong info, uh, like just changing what we all know today. Which is why, again, I emphasize self-fact-checking. Check your own facts. Check all the facts that you encounter like while you are, you know, like scrolling through TikTok, scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through Twitter. So I'm looking down the comments. Yeah. This, uh, a lot of people really commented. Thank you guys for commenting. Like, we appreciate it. Yeah, somebody said, uh, always remember that silence only helps the oppressor. Very, very true. Because when you're silent, you're, you're, not, you're not fighting for the oppressed. So they're already, like, down. They're already, like, struggling because of some other power. And you being silent and staying silent, you're basically just watching them oppressed. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not helping anyone. Like, for example, just for example, like I'm with Ninja and then a bully comes and starts bullying Ninja. Now, I don't do anything. I just watch that bully bully Ninja. That just helps the bully because I did not stand up for Ninja. I did not help her, you know, get rid of the bully. So Ninja's always going to suffer. Ninja's always going to suffer because I did not say anything. I did not fight back. I did not help her whatsoever. And it's kind of like the same with being silent. You are actually helping the oppressors. Okay, so another person said, I want to share what my history subject taught us back in high school. History does not repeat itself. We repeat history. And, you know, kind of thinking about that, you know, I, I do kind of agree. I do kind of agree because... Technically, the things in the past, history does not repeat itself. We, people, forget what happened in the past. And we repeat it. Uh, there was like this quote, Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So this was by George Santayana uh, in the book Life of Reason, uh, written in 1905. So this, this was written in 1905 already. And, like, it's there. So if we forget our past, we are doomed to repeat it. The people are doomed to repeat it. So that's why we're doing this part two, where we talk about some of the, you know, stories 
that happened during martial law. So um, it's not it's not really like I, I would say it's the Marcos era more than martial law because it was a very huge part of our history. But yeah, this happened. All of these stories happened during martial law under the Marcoses when they were in power. So like, what, what did you think about like what the people said? I again, I really appreciate and I do agree with like the points that was like talked about. It's a, there is a discussion which is very important because like if we don't discuss about it and then we just leave it alone, it's gonna like go at the back of our heads and then we, again, as the quote says, we're basically doomed to repeat things we we're not aware of, we we don't talk about, we don't recognize. Uh-huh. So yeah, it. I, I I enjoy that like people are commenting and talking about stuff. You know, and a lot of people know that I studied mass communication in college. Now, if there is one thing yeah. that I value more, it's that uh, journalists have to be the harbinger of truth and be the watchdogs Mm-mm. of the government because that's what we were taught during college. We were taught Mm-mm. to be to to deliver the Mm-mm. news. To make sure the people know what is happening with the government, what are they doing, and to stand for truth. Fair and unbiased. Now, Marcos, uh, the, the senior, was well aware of this role that uh, the media played. And so he did everything that he could do to control it. Control the media. Yes, and um, control how people accessed information. So, what did he do? So, on September 28, 1972, a few days after martial law was declared, uh, Ferdinand Marcos issued the letter of instruction number one. So, basically, this allowed the military to take over the assets of all the major media outlets at that time, including ABS-CBN, Channel 5, and radio stations around the country. So, according to Marcos, Ferdinand Marcos, these media institutions were involved with the communist movement. So, in other words, red tagging. He said that mainstream media were discrediting the administration and that and spread the government's weaknesses to feed the flames of the communist movement. When that was declared, uh, a lot of journalists were arrested. Just to name a few, Teodoro Loxin Sr., uh, Chino Roses, uh, Amando Dorolina, Luis Beltran, Maximo Soliven, Juan Marcado, and, you know, Luis Mauricio, just to name a few. So these people, these journalists, were taken to a room where they met with the Philippine Constabulary Chief, Fidel V. Ramos, and according to one of the journalists, he said, nothing personal, gentlemen. I was ordered to neutralize you. Please cooperate and we'll try to make things easier for you. Could you imagine if you were taken, you know, just like one day you were like probably on your way home and the, the military flags you down and you're kind of like wondering uh, what's happening and they, they take you away and then they tell you that. How would you feel? It's just terrifying. It would be very terrifying. Nah, ano, nah. You're basically chilling and then like you get swatted. In, For like, no reason. No, I'm good, like thanks. what was the reason, you know? Uh-oh. Like why? Uh-oh. Um. 
so now like all these all these uh news agencies who were quote unquote critical towards the government have been neutralized but not all of them were affected though some were allowed to operate during the time namely Philippine Daily Press Tanlaon Broadcasting System and other like some other television channels that I I don't know they probably don't exist anymore and all of these all of these channels all of these news outlets all of these radio stations belong to Marcos cronies so basically all these people who supported president Ferdinand Marcos just to name one of them Robert Benedicto he owned Canlaon Broadcasting System and the Daily Express and because he was so openly you know supportive of Ferdinand Marcos he became the chairman of the Philippine National Bank he he was an ambassador to Japan and also the head of the Philippine Sugar Commission at that time another person that played a huge role during uh with the media uh during the Marcos era was Primitivo Mijares he was the chairman of the media advisory council and basically he was in charge of the Marcos propaganda at that time in a 24 page memo he confessed that Marcos uh created an atmosphere of danger to create the pretext of the declaration of martial law so basically all of this was thought by him by Marcos things that they did including but not limited to are having the military explode bombs during demonstrations planting explosives in civilian areas which killed innocent bystanders and threatening election personnel and members of the constitution convention with violence so they did it says including but not limited to so they did more than that Yeah. So there's which, yeah, there's more. Which is kind of like what are the other things that they did? What are the other things that that we don't know? That we didn't know. Right? Throughout the era of martial law, the media actually played a very vital role in everything that happened in the country because they were in charge of showing people what happened or what's happening in other areas of the country and also they are in charge of of informing the people you know basically informing the people about the government's actions and how are other people experiencing the martial law at that time so with all of the quote unquote critical people with the government a lot of this was silenced during martial law and a lot of other journalists actually who who stood by for the truth actually went underground and they started to publish secret newsletters where they had to i believe they had to write it in code in fear of getting of getting um found out and basically a lot of journalists were hiding for their lives because they knew if they were to reveal themselves as journalists they would be they would be neutralized by the government you know what i'm saying so it's it's kind of scary it, being a journalist is a oh. scary job and um i'm glad that i am not one of them so that uh i i don't like have to deal with all of that <laughs> but you know it it's 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 a it's a job that's it, it's not easy to get into although in the philippines uh it yeah, no. is 
kind of easy to get into uh like being a media person. You don't even have to be a graduate of like mm-hmm. a communications course or a broadcasting course or a or mass communication. You don't even have to graduate through those. No, yeah, you can just just especially yeah. if you like you know someone in the right yeah. places. Yeah, you can be a a journalist and like I don't know how to feel about that. It's you know I'm somebody who who wants to push for you know like sort of like how there's a bar exam for lawyers and there's a What's the one for nurses? Um, RN. Uh, no. Like what's uh, my sister's a nurse. And I'm what's like, the test for that? Well, what's like, the test for that? I don't know. The, the exam is like my brain yeah, is I, I blanking don't, right now. I don't now. remember. I I'm so, I think it's I'm not supposed bar. To know. It's um licensure, licensure exam. There you go. Oh, uh, what about That's what about true. uh what about architects? Yeah. Uh, I think it's very similar to licensure. Yeah, it's, it's similar. Term. But. I can't. My, I can't recall I it right now. I can't recall what's... it off the top of my head. But it, obviously, like, uh, if you were an aspiring journalist, I would want you to take a test that would allow you to get it. Obviously, you don't need to graduate like a communications course or something like that. But passing the test would mean Perfect that you test. are familiar with ethics. You are familiar with the the workarounds. How you should handle conflict in the news. So. These are things that we learn in in college, and that's why, like, I'm very I have so much respect for journalists. Now we all know what happened, and we all know how the era ended. Um, the people, the people's power, you know, like like Edsa and like Marcos and the family fled the country. So we all know that. Before I end my story, I want to share with you a quote from. A Nobel Peace Prize awardee, Maria Ressa, and basically she summarized what happened. You know how I feel about the situation, and she basically said it in like a shorter term. Okay, so she said, "If you want to rip the heart out of a democracy, you go after the facts. That's what modern authoritarians do. You lie. Well, she's talking about the authoritarians. You lie all the time." Then you say it's your opponents and the journalists who lie. So that's it. That's my story. For me, I have a question. Like, do, do do you see this happening in our timeline right now? Yeah. Do you see like journalists being silenced in our current time? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised that if it happens. Because like before, pananana si Marcos, there's a lot of information na like. You you're not sure, and then like there's a lot of talks about like where they're getting information from, and then it's it's very questionable on a bits of it. So I I honestly wouldn't be surprised. There's a very huge possibility of it. Uh, okay, so I I wanted that was a leading question. <laughs> I wanted to say what are some of the news organizations that were shut down? ABS, ABS, CBN, ABS, CBN, like, the one uh, Rappler, the huge thing. Uh-uh. Oh yeah, Rappler was shut. When was Rappler shut I down? Have, what, two, three have, weeks ago, no? I think so, you. With the, I, I, I think no, I they've saw. been shut down for like. No, but like they're still. They're still yeah, they're posting. still posting, and so is ABS-CBN. Like, like, see, like, but like, they're for, like, considered. The funny thing for like ABS-CBN is they they're using a different tactic. Now, like, oh, technically we're not ABS-CBN because like, we're using a different ANC at ang gamit nila na name. Because like 
they also acquired this uh-huh. network and then they're like alright since ABS event is like no more like let's use I'm not 100% sure what the name of the network is that they acquired before so they got shut down. A- ABS-CBN is actually so, like yeah. still functioning. They're they're just functioning on the online space. And mm-hmm. honestly, I don't like I would Different love thing. them to function in the online space more. Um but it's quite like it's very unfair for the people who don't have access to YouTube or or like the who like internet. internet. Yeah, because uh-huh. they can't see the information. Like ABS-CBN was one of the largest like, groups, the, media groups that helped disseminate information. So they were very they're very active, especially during the typhoons. So GMA GMA shut down its regional network a few years ago. A few years ago. While ABS CBN remained mm-hmm. working. So uh you could get like really yeah. localized news on TV and a lot of like Filipinos Rely more on ano. yes, exactly. They rely more on uh, the TV as their main source of information. Yeah, I wouldn't TV say that radio. Marcos, at like like Bongbong Marcos, like shut down like these news mm-hmm. in- institutions. But what person shut down these news in- institutions? See si Duterte, right? And he actually admitted. Uh-uh. I don't know if I said this last last session. But he actually admitted to using his presidential powers in taking down some news organizations. It's in the news. Hold on. I will look for it so that... Because somebody said that you should, you should like, mention these, these news articles that you're getting from. I mean, we kind, I, I kind of do every, every now and again. I try. Plus, like, if if you want to read more, like, the full articles, we do post it again on... Uh, Facebook okay, group. so this was reported by CNN Philippines. Headline states, Duterte admits using presidential powers against ABS-CBN. A less than a week before he left his post, he said that he used presidential powers against former broadcast giant ABS-CBN. So the quote that he said, I think this was translated, I use the presidential powers to tell Congress that you are dealing with scoundrels and if you continue to Koto with them, kawawa ang Pilipino. So basically, he what he said was kind of like his opinion. He didn't give he didn't give like hard facts. He basically used his influence on the Congress to help shut down ABS-CBN, which is just scary, Mm-mm. scary. Anyway, I should probably give time for you nins to share your story. So. <laughs> What is your story? So uh, I'm gonna be talking about um, Aimee Marcos, uh, the sister of current president um, Ferdinand Marcos, uh, and a woman named Agapita Trano, who filed a case in Hawaii against her. So what was the case about, and who won? So in September of uh, 1977, September 2nd, a body was discovered on the road that was brutally tortured and abused. The body is covered in bruises, and the victim's face was disfigured. They believe that like, the body was tortured for uh, about 12 to 36 hours. This small information came from um, uh, an article of uh, Phil Starr, 
most of the articles na like I I was reading was um Bill Star, uh Inquirer. This was the other one is um a website called um the Marshall Law Chronicles Project. I tried to like read the case because like you can like with case filings, it's very public na like you can read about it. But I'm I'm like super not versed on like the wordings and such. So I can still like send or like we can still post the cases, the number of cases. So anyway, going back, this body was the son of Agapita. Uh, his name was Archimedes Trajano. He grew up in a small, uh-huh. uh, modest, uh, simple, modest uh, household. He was an engineering student from Mapua Institute of College and Technologies. And um, in one of the articles, they mentioned that he was a student activist. Uh, in August 31st, 1977, he attended a forum in ELM. Um, this is where uh, Aimee comes in. Aimee was a speaker for the forum. She was the director of a uh, of the National Youth Council called um, Kabataang Barangay. Um, this council basically is a youth organization that would was formed, was uh, funded and created under um, her father's martial law government. So what happened and like what's the connection between the two? Trahano uh, actually questioned uh, Aimee's position na like you're the, do- the president's daughter and then you're sitting in this position of in a sense power as well in as a speaker of a forum, so she he basically questioned it. Um, according to them, Aimee didn't really like the the fact that she, her position was questioned. Because, like, uh, as far as I'm aware, it was a simple and straightforward question that caused um, Trajano to be escorted out of the venue without his consent by um, Aimee's military bodyguards. And then this is when, or this was the last time that um, people saw him. They believed again uh, he was tortured for um, for twelve to thirty six hours before again uh, going back to where his body was found on September second. Twelve to thirty six yeah. hours of nonstop torture, yeah. all because he did. He what? questioned he... Na, like um, why was she like there or a speaker? It wasn't super clear sa mga articles ko. Na like what the question he, he, was exactly. He, this this is the quote from um, opinion uh, dot inquiry inquirer. Must the kabataang barangay be headed by the president's daughter? So that was the question. Like like can it be someone else? I think or like does it have to be you? And it was like because like she already holds in a sense power as the president's daughter. He basically questioned it. Not like why are parang for me, ha, how I, I read the question that he was say, asking is like, um, aside from being the president's daughter, what makes you be like the one to sit in that position? That's, that's what I, how I read like, his question to her. Na it's not exactly na rude. This is, again, that's my opinion. Because uh-huh. like, if that's the wording that you're saying, na, like, must it be the president's daughter? So, you're, if I was, ano, I mean, so like, I would be offended, of course, because like, I'm not just the president's daughter, kumbaga, I'm also, I can also do like, the, these things, uh, to ang vision ko for like, 
the National Youth Council. So, like, you know, I would argue, I would probably engage in a debate na, like, I am right for the position, not because I'm the president's daughter. But, like, what she did was um, she had him removed from the venue using military bodyguards, according to uh, one was it. Basta, like, one of these mentioned uh, um her bodyguards were military. Because most... Not not mm-hmm. all of the articles are like like saying uh, oh it's it's a military bodyguard it's just oh it's bodyguard and then one of them mentioned uh, yeah it's not complete uh-oh. information basically yeah. so um she filed a case against them now when when uh, they left the country uh, according to again inquirer.net uh Annie said that she was too young now in 1977 na like to be like in a position of power or like be in the area because like oh by that time I, we weren't in the Philippines when it happened so that's her argument against the plan. yeah so which isn't true because like there are people who saw her and then like you know so like like the age and so on like if you know her age you can calculate na like oh by 1977 she's not that young to be like, oh, I didn't know, or whatever. She's in the right age, and she was doing, like, the being the speaker of the forum. So, uh, I found, it's it's still inquirer that mentioned, uh, like, the, the bodyguards were um, military. They basically ruled it against her, and, like, they asked yeah. her to pay for um, about $4.16 million plus attorney's fee. So... Yun, uh, she she tried to she tried to defend herself and whatever, but she didn't win against it, and she was so basically she's convicted for this. Yeah, she was convicted for this, and then like, do you think do you think ba na like the mom got the money and then like she got in jail or whatever? I have no idea. I don't think so. The mom wasn't able to get the money. She wasn't like Amy wasn't basically wasn't imprisoned or whatever um they she yeah. basically just walked off the whole thing okay so just just to recap she was convicted for uh being having a hand at the death Mm-mm. of archimedes Mm-mm. um and basically she has to pay um how much for- was it 4.16 million dollars plus attorney's fee. 4.16 million dollars. Mm-hmm. And does she have to do jail time? Um it didn't state that she she needed jail time or whatever. Uh the the court basically rejected the lack of defense of the ju- the jurisdiction and Agapita won the case. But uh the f- in further injustice she never saw the money the Pasig regional trial court failed to properly serve the summons in 1993 yeah. then she successfully argued that um the supreme court in 2006 that um the Pasig RTC botched job means that she no longer has to pay the fine uh, in other words like her mother Imelda Ime managed to waltz off from being lawfully unpunished despite a court conviction and um, definitively established her liability. So that's like the last... So, yeah, thing. like her mother, si mm-hmm. Imelda, Aimee, basically just... Walked off. Walked away. Got, yeah, uh, got walked away scot-free uh-uh. from this conviction. And now, 
she is a politician despite having this conviction. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. like a lot of our politicians honestly. It's like didn't you get prisoned back in this era? I'm pretty sure you know, like you were like red-handed na, like you molested some person or like you, you did this shit and I'm like why are people still voting for you? Like it, it makes me question like a bunch of stuff. Again, it's not the person's fault. It's the fault of how these how information yeah, is being sent out that's to people. true because I'm pretty sure if people knew that they wouldn't they would like, they would like realize that like yeah, they, they we shouldn't vote for this person like why would we vote for you and yeah. like you had like a bunch of different you know cases against you yeah we should we should stop doing this you know <laughs> like <laughs> yeah exactly so is that that's so, your yeah, story um, that's my story na it's it's sad na like even if um Agatita won the case. Like, there's, there's nothing. Na, like, even if she did get the money, it doesn't. It's not gonna bring her son back. Like, that's like the the most sad, the saddest part of the of it all. It, a life is like more valuable, and then it's just sad, and then it's heartbreaking. So yeah, that's that's my. Story. Okay. I'll, we'll we'll send the links. So um, before we end today's episode, we discussed a lot so i want you guys to actually think how did some of the events of the past reflect the events that are happening now i want you to think about it and i want you to understand how we could have gotten to this place and why we got we got to this place i want you to think about that and do you do you think that this is something that should happen? Do you do you stand by this? Do you not stand by this? These are the things that we should think about. So before I end today's episode, uh, here's some things that we can do. Um, for me personally, I think or I believe that we should a never forget what happened. B continue to fight for our rights c be vocal against injustices that are happening in society that are happening uh, to the poor to the neighbor to your neighbor to the oppressed and d hold the government accountable always hold the government accountable always be on guard because at the end of the day again we all just want a better Philippines in the future, right? We all want better lives. We will not achieve that if we give all of the power to one person. Their absolute power is the conduit of corruption because people are imperfect. People will make mistakes. Mm -hmm. People will commit sin. Now, if you give this person all the power in the world with no checks and balances, they can literally just do whatever they want. No matter how, how, much, how much integrity this person has, that person is not perfect. So there should still be checks and balances when it comes to that. And giving them absolute power, you are giving them a chance to be corrupt. And more so, more so now in this day and age because 
in this government because people in power have histories of crimes, people have histories of corruption, and we need to be careful with what they do. We need to always look at what they're doing because at the end of the day, again, we all want a better future. So thank you so much for listening to the very, very special two-parter episode of the Frightening, Alarming, Real-Life Tales show. You can follow Ninya on all her socials at Fernandez. I'm at the Andrew Tops on everything, and the show's Facebook and Twitter is at FartsPod. Now, we've got a group on Facebook that you can join. So basically, we discuss what happened on the show there and any scary stuff that we make, we share it there. Anything that we may come across on Facebook, we share it there as well. So also, if you've got a scary story you'd like to share, then you can email fartspod at gmail.com or message us on all our socials. And one final bit. So this episode will come out the day before Me and Tirso's display. So me and Tirso, we're going to display some farts merch shirt, I at think is Coffee also at Yellow House. Available ba shirt? In... What? Shirts, will it be available? No. Yes. yes. Shirts will be available there and uh, some stickers. Some, like, basically farts merch. Uh, we will make it available there. So if you are in the city, if you're in Davao City and you would like to come by and visit us and see the booth and look at the merch, then you can do that. You can do that tomorrow. Um... We are so excited. We can't wait for you to guys, for you guys to see it all, you know, like being sold. And I hope you guys support us. All of the profit goes towards the show. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Nins, for coming to the show. Um, well, back to be our normal na ano next episode. You know, sometimes I kind of like serious. This. Na, ano. <laughs> I kind of like this atmosphere <laughs> because. Yeah, I kind of like this atmosphere because it gives us the chance to to share our thoughts and have a discussion. And it's basically we're just we're telling people that hey, we can laugh, we can be kiki. Uh no, sorry. Again, don't interrupt me. Wait, my <laughs> brain is not working. We can laugh, we can kiki, and we can have fun, but also we care. We can be serious. We we have we have convictions, we have beliefs, and that's what we want you guys to have as well. We want you guys to be people who are, who care, who basically who care, who care not only for, their, for themselves, but also for other people, and also for their country. So we want that for you guys. And, and hopefully, we got the message across. So thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. The Frightening Alarming Real Life Tales show comes out with new episodes every Friday at 3 a.m. It is hosted by me, Andrew Tapino, and Nina Flor Fernandez. Our intro song is an original by Key Studios and edited by Wesley of Review. Cover art and logo by Tirso Tan Jr. 
I'm the executive producer. This show is produced by SB3 Studios and is a proud member of Pilipinas Indie Podcast Entertainment Network. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you on the next one.